You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're you're tuned in to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Lindsey? I'm always good after a win. The the win post podcast is always a great thing. And then when you see the offense do what it does best in two weeks in a row, back to back, it's always a great feeling. Oh man. If you thought last week's offense was good, like this week was insane. Uh, I mean, I know the Falcons were down a couple corners, especially when AJ Terrell goes out, but even considering that, like, it's not like Burrow just threw 50-50 balls to his wide receivers and they just dunked on these, like, not great backup-level corners. In fact, when he tried that on fourth down, it didn't work. Uh, but he was diming up and down the field. It was just – that was the, the – all right, we could start right away. Yes. That <laughs> is the best Joe Burrow performance since when? Ooh. Oh. Oh, goodness. Can I say – there's so many things I'm, I start to feel and it goes back to 2021. It's the fourth quarter versus the Niners. And then it's against the Ravens, but I know they had a lot of injuries last year, but like, that's where I'm at right now. When I saw Joe Burrow in that first drive, because when I saw them get it, I'm like, look, let's, let's go down. I'm obviously not part of the team, but I'm going to put myself in there <laughs> right now, go down, drive. You knew we've talked about this all week. You got to get off to a fast start because you're facing a an Atlanta Falcons team who can run the ball and that's not what you want to deal with the rest of the game and they don't go away from it I mean you look at games earlier in the season even when they were down by a couple of scores Atlanta would always still run the ball and I was like why why are you doing that you gotta throw it up but I know who their quarterback was at the same time when Joe Burrow did that in the first drive I thought for sure I'm like everything's gonna be okay yeah um I think for me it's the second best game he's played other than the Ravens game. And I know that Ravens game is against the backups and all that stuff. Yeah. He hit like 500 something yards. He, he was unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. And even, even ran a little bit in that one, like he did in this one. So um, yeah, that was my first thought. It's like, this is the, uh, what I've been doing the grades a plus, this is the a plus game. I can't even think of like too many little mistakes. Like a lot of times you can go like, yeah, there were no big, no big takeaways, no, no big mistakes or anything. I mean, like, I guess throwing it up to T versus what, but then at the same time, I'm like, yeah, that's T against the backup corner. I don't care. Throw it up. I guess fourth down, maybe not, but whatever. And like to me, I, I don't care. That's fine. Even when he looks like he's missing a little bit, like he throws the ball behind a guy, it's usually on purpose. And then you see a guy come flying that would have took that guy's head off if Burrow didn't throw it behind him. Or you can see that, that he was fitting it in a small window around somebody. So love the game from him. I mean, incredible game. I know who was against. I know all that. This is a team that their defense was surprisingly scrappy the past few weeks. They held the Niners to 14 points and the Bucks to 20. This is not a terrible defense to me. Um, I mean, I guess they're down the corners, like we've been saying, but it just doesn't matter to me. Like when you watch the, just watch it. Like don't don't just look at the box score, look at the injuries and come up with whatever. But like if you actually watch the game, he was so good on time, super accurate. I think that's the biggest part, right? Because we've been hounding him a little bit. It's just like, well, the accuracy hasn't been there as much. I mean, today. Oh my goodness on some of those throws. The one to Chase on the right sideline. And I know Chase had to make an incredible catch, but oh my God, you couldn't put that somewhere better. 
Yeah, no, like going back to it, after we record this podcast, we're recording it on a Sunday night around 7 p.m. I'm going to go find my tweet and I'm just going to like throw myself under the bus right now because I said in the Saints game that first drive, I was like, wow, Joe looks off. And I got semi hammered for that. And then some people agreed with me. And I'm going to say ever since this tweet, Joe Burrow's offense has put up 65 points. So uh, you can thank me right now for the turnaround of Joe Burrow. But it's unbelievable because I think that's the biggest thing out of the first four to five weeks of the season is what's going on with this offense? Oh, Joe looks a little off. Oh, the wide receivers, can they do this? They're forcing it to Jamar Chase. And then you see Jamar Chase get two touchdowns today. But again, Joe B throws it around to everybody. Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst. He gives it to T Higgins too. a lot of game balls after the game. And this is the offense when everyone's healthy. Uh, you look around the AFC. This is what you should be afraid of. Honestly, you should be terrified of what they can do when you have these three wide receivers, wide receivers, and then obviously getting the run game going. But it's unbelievable what everybody was able to do because they were just clicking. Yeah, when uh, the offense is clicking this well and the defense is still playing well, um, look, it's the Bengals, Chiefs, and Bills for me. And I know that the Ravens just beat them. And if they played right now, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd probably pick the Bengals, but, like, I'm not confident about it. It's just when you get this high level of play, like this high, I don't know if the Ravens hit this high. I don't know if they just – I don't know if they have the weapons. Like, Andrews, I know he's hurt, but he had, like, one catch today and – uh, Bateman is, oh, he's, he's a good wide receiver, but that's one wide receiver. So they've got like a good tight end, a good wide receiver, a bunch of running backs that they seem to be upset with. <laughs> and then, uh, Lamar, who I think Lamar is incredible, but it's just only so much because you still need to be able to create your explosive plays through the air as well as on the ground. And I know, I don't know. I'm kind of both talking out of both sides of my mouth because I'm remembering plays that they left on the field where Eli Apple got burnt, and I, I assume we'll get there but today. But yeah. Eli Apple got burned on a, a play, and Lamar just missed him. And um, so, like, maybe if that happens, a narrative in my mind changes. But in my mind, I'm just – it's the Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals, and maybe you could throw the Ravens in there. I don't feel comfortable throwing, like, the Chargers in there mm-hmm. or – We'll see about the Dolphins. They were really explosive before Tua went down, but when they played the Bengals, I came away thinking like, yeah, well, when you play a, a good defense, I'm not sure if it's the same thing. So I don't know. What To me, it's Bills, Chiefs, Bengals. Um, not in any order, although that might be the order so far this year. <laughs> uh, so I don't know how you feel. I, I mean, I also still think that if the Bills and Chiefs played a playoff game right now, I'd still pick the Chiefs. I would too. I would too. I I think you look at that regular season revenge game and putting quotation marks up right now. And I know this is an audio podcast, but I I still think the chiefs uh, it's wild to say this because the team we talk about on this podcast is Cincinnati Bengals and they beat the chiefs on the road at Arrowhead stadium. And I'm like, Oh yeah, chiefs would be the team I think would beat the bills. Um, But, but Cincinnati has proven, Hey, they can beat you at home. They can beat you on the road in a really tough environment in the AFC Championship game, which is so wild to think about when you look back at those. I agree with you. I, I think it's Bills, Chiefs, and, and the Cincinnati Bengals right now. It's kind of wild because as we're recording this, and, and we kind of talked off there before we hit record, the Jets are more than likely going to go 5-2 and two on the season. I'm not terrified of them at all. At all. I, I, I think it's wild. They're 5-2. and two. Obviously, one of their losses is against the Cincinnati Bengals. They had 16 points and in going into the fourth quarter uh, of reset. Like I just, I'm not convinced that this team is a threat in the AFC. And I know we're going to get more into what happened today with the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Atlanta Falcons. But at the same time, the AFC, one of the biggest things we heard in the offseason was, oh, it's loaded. Everybody's doing what Cincinnati was able to do. They they get those wide receivers. They're going to get the weapons. You should be terrified because all these teams can be the AFC Cincinnati Bengals from 2021. No, I, I honestly don't think anything really has changed when you look at the AFC picture. Did I think that in the offseason? No, I thought it was going to be more of a threat for Cincinnati and, and obviously coming off that. It's never easy to get back to a Super Bowl. Goodness, this is my first time. I I have no experience with this. It's my first time seeing them in the Super Bowl last year. And, uh, you know, a lot of people saw them in the 80s. But for me, it was a first-time thing. So I can't say, oh, it's totally easy to get back when you have a franchise quarterback. It's not. 
And everybody knows that. Look, you're in the midway point of the season, almost midway point of the season, and there's still a lot of football left to be played. But I think when you look at what we've seen over the last couple weeks is I think this offense is figuring out how to get back to that really scary thread of an offense around the AFC and the NFL overall. You can put them in that picture. It doesn't have to be in their division. It doesn't have to be in the AFC. It can be an overall picture to say they're a threat in the AFC if everybody is healthy. And Joe Burrow, we talked about it early on in our podcast that obviously he was coming off that surgery, missed a lot of training camp. They don't get reps in preseason. You get an offensive line out there. And then this is what we get in week five, six, and seven. It's starting to look a little scary again in a good way for Cincinnati. So I think when you look at the AFC overall, I agree with you 100%. It's, it's those three teams for me. And again, I mentioned it before, there's a lot of football left to play, but uh, it, 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 it's a good feeling in Cincinnati right now. Yeah, and uh, this includes just thinking about last year, too, because if I was only thinking about this year, if last year didn't happen, I would be more up and down. But with the way last year ended and everything, and also I would say that the offense, it's not like they've just been playing bad defenses. To me, it's its you notice a schematic change in what they're doing, all the downhill gap run game now, the power run game, along with everything being basically shotgun other than, I guess, the goal line for Mixon. <laughs> um, so when you add that in and then Burrow seems like I I was saying, I thought there was rust and then, uh, you know, four or five weeks in, I started, I started thinking like, I hope I'm not wrong, <laughs> but now he's back. And I'm like, okay, okay. I think it was just rust because he just didn't, a lot of these guys didn't practice. And I feel like fans, including me a little bit, yeah. we're getting a little bit sick of the uh, rust argument. It's like, okay, so when's the rust leaving? It's like, it's like, cause we were like four weeks in and uh, I was still hammering. Like, I think a lot of these guys are still a little rusty. And uh, so it's good to see that that seems to have worked at least for some of these guys, the rust just falls off him like burrow, like, and like I say with mixing with the injury, now he looks healthy again. It's a lot of these guys, they look better now than they did early in the season. I think that's the trade off of these no preseason games and all these guys missing training camp, but you survived the part where you're going to start slow. And now you're in a pretty good spot. I still think they're in a pretty good spot, but, this schedule gets tougher. They need to take care of business against the Browns and Panthers because then you've got some tough games. Although as much as I have been saying, I think the bucks are fine. I am now, I am now hitting, hitting the alarm about that uh, team and also being like, I don't know how nervous I am about, about the, the Buccaneers game at this point. I'm still nervous about Bill's chiefs and you got to play the Ravens again, but I'm not sure how nervous I am about the bucks game anymore. Yeah, not to like jump into like ahead of the schedule right now because I know they have Monday Night Football week from tomorrow when they play the Cleveland Browns on the road, but the Carolina Panthers, and I feel like this always happens when you move on from your head coach and you have moves. You have that game where you're like you come out and you win against a team you shouldn't, but I'm going to be completely honest with you. I agree with you. I picked the Bucks to go to the Super Bowl. I don't know how confident I do. My, my Eagles pick's looking pretty good, huh? Your Eagles pick is looking great. But the same <laughs> time with like Tampa and Tom, yeah. it doesn't look great for my pick. But I will say this, it's great for the Bengals because <laughs> I know there's a lot of football left. But when you look at that game in December and you're like, oh, they hit the road, play Tom Brady and the Bucks, that's not looking too bad if you're the Cincinnati Bengals right now. But the NFL overall is absolutely wild right now. I it's, it's a little different from last season, but at the same time, I feel like your AFC playoff picture right around October, early November is right where it was last season. Yeah, I mean, this is eerily similar to last year, right? Like they kind of start slow, they they get into the bye and they're at an okay spot, but not a great spot. And then you're looking ahead, you're like, oh, this schedule's tough. But then they beat the Chiefs and they beat the Ravens and they beat the Steelers and they beat all these other teams that are playoff teams. Uh, lost to the Chargers, but they didn't make the playoffs. They beat the Raiders. So they beat all these playoff teams to still make it and then went on the run. So it's kind of similar, although I think they can be in a better spot if they can just win these next two games because going into the bye week six and three, um, that's pretty nice. And look, I think you, to me, I always think 10 wins is what you need to get into the playoffs. And then I think 11, 12 for the division, who knows? I don't want to think too far ahead and like trying to predict games like that, but just like if you get to six and three, I feel pretty good about getting four more wins in your next uh, 
eight games, going 500 down the stretch. I feel it pretty solid they could do that, make the playoffs. And as I have been hammering, if this team makes the playoffs, I think they have the defensive coordinator, the quarterback, the offense, everything that can go on a run again, just like they did last year. Yeah, I want to get to more of the defensive side and, and just a little bit of the offense after this game. Uh, I think they surprised a lot of people what they were able to do at home. We thought maybe this would be a little closer game because of the scrappy Atlanta Falcons, but it really never felt close to me. We'll get more of your opinion on this next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I want to stay with the offense right now. We talked plenty about Joe Burrow. He had himself a day. He was able to pass the ball around a little bit on the offensive side. Zach Taylor, in the last couple weeks, he was hammered. If you looked at social media, I highly recommend never looking at it. But if you were to look at it uh, two weeks prior, two and a half weeks, three weeks prior to postgame against the Baltimore Ravens to say, oh, Zach, your play calling is a little questionable. I feel like Zach has done a great job. Obviously, Joe Burrow has definitely stepped up. His weapons, getting the ball to his playmakers has been amazing. And then having a healthy T. Higgins out there really does change what the offensive outlook looks like for your wide receiver room. What do you think about Zach Taylor over the last couple of weeks? Um, the past two weeks, definitely good. Uh, I think – People still aren't with the idea that when you're in opponent's territory on fourth and one, that's a pretty good go for it situation. And they were hammering him on that. To me, that's that's fine. I, you could argue, I don't get an empty and don't throw the. Like I've said, the, the argument's there to not throw the ball to T on the back shoulder ball against a backup corner. But then I also just go, that's T against a back <laughs> against the backup corner. Like, yeah, I'd throw that if I saw that matchup. It's just he played good job, got away with a little, you know, grabbing. But, you know, that's not called, doesn't count. You know, that's just like the T against touchdown on Jalen Ramsey. Not called, didn't count. So um, I, I'm fine with that. Uh, I I do have some feelings about, like, maybe don't go empty when it's fourth and one because you really want to give the semblance of a run game. But I still think they got an okay look out of it. Uh, overall, I can't think of too many issues. I Oh, this is such what? a uh, okay. This is such a first world problem. I tweeted about it. I think T Higgins scored the touchdown, and then they ran up to uh, get the ball so that they wouldn't challenge on a fumble. He clearly didn't fumble on the replay, and it looked like he scored a touchdown because he was laying on his backside. You know, when you lay on your front side, usually that knee hits inadvertently. But when you lay on your backside, none of your stuff's going down, so he was able to reach back there. I think he scored, and. Uh, I just wanted to see the three wide receivers all score touchdowns and they didn't get that. They still scored a touchdown. So no big deal. But I do think, I, I think almost the biggest issue at this point might be Zach Taylor and uh, getting these touchdowns that the players have scored like Jamar Chase and now T Higgins. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, Zach Taylor, where are your people? And this is not a, yeah, it's table. almost not even on him. They're supposed to have guys in the booth yeah, that like, they're, they're, they're calling down to him. Like, Hey, he scored there. Throw the flag, throw the flag. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Not on Zach Taylor, but like you have people up in the booth for a reason and they need to tell you that's a touchdown. Uh, we saw week one against uh, Jamar Chase against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I agree with you. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, that was really fast. And obviously when you're moving something really fast on offensively, it's 
probably going to be a mess or it's not going to work out. And that's exactly what they were doing at that situation. They were like, look, we're not trying to get them to question this situation that maybe he fumbled the ball and they moved it pretty quickly. That's how I felt that was happening. Yeah, I at least need that guy to call down to Zach and say, hey, you didn't fumble. You, yeah. you don't need to hurry up here. We can take our time. <laughs> if the Falcons throw the flag, <laughs> is it possible the Falcons throw the flag for the for the fumble and then they rule the touchdown? I don't think that's how it works, but no. I am not sure. Okay, that would be funny. I agree with that would you. be hilarious. But it was funny because I was at the game and I'm watching it. It actually happened right in front of me. And I was like, oh, they probably ran that really fast because yep. they, and they were worried and about the fumble. The coaches were worried about the fumble. So I didn't really even think about it. I was like, oh, that's fine. I totally get why that didn't work out for the offense right there. They were really moving quickly. So I get it when to get the snap off. Um, that's how I took it. I, and I, I apologize. That's how I took it live too. But yeah. when you're when you're watching on TV, they got so many replays that almost immediately after, like, ooh, I think he scored. I'm not sure if they showed that at the game as much. They didn't. They really didn't. It was a very quick situation where honestly, the whole thing felt like, oh, we don't want to mess this up, so we're gonna snap the ball. Um, and then everything just it ended up working out. But at the same time, I was like, oh, I thought maybe that could have been a touchdown. Um, but. Can we get some people for Zach Taylor up in the booth that can uh, watch the stuff? Because Zach has bigger things to worry about on the sideline. But no, um, obviously, jokingly, when you when you see what they were able to do today, this is co- honestly how I felt. And it's been a long time that honestly, you could go back to last season, maybe the Detroit Lions and a couple of the AFC North games. We kind of joked about it last week on the podcast was I never really felt like any games this season that they were going to obviously win or by multiple scores or felt really confident. This was a game where Joe drives down the field and I'm like, they're going to win this game. And I don't really feel like Atlanta is going to come back. I didn't feel like that going into the game. I thought it was going to be a scrappy game. Obviously you have an Atlanta Falcons team. You look through the whole entire season of what they've been able to do. Even when they're down, they would still run the ball against teams. I want to say they did that against the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Rams earlier in the season, but they're just kind of one of those teams where they never go away. I honestly didn't feel like that with this team today. I mean, I know they're dealing with injuries defensively with Logan Wilson out, DJ Reader, and we knew this was going to be a team that was going to run the ball, but I just, I never felt like that today. I felt very comfortable on both, honestly, all three phases with the team. I felt pretty comfortable going into the game, to be honest. I just thought I had a similar feeling that I did against Pittsburgh, and I know that didn't work out, but I thought, this team wins unless they commit multiple turnovers because they're just they're just the better team than the Falcons. And especially when you start looking at injuries and all that stuff. The the Falcons had one game script that could have won them the game, and that's they take the lead early and they're able to just pound eight-minute drives and maybe get a turnover or two, or Grady Jarrett gets a, a couple sacks instead of just one or kills a drive with his sack instead of allowing a first down after. So that's what I thought was just unless this team multiple turnovers, they're winning. That's what I thought going in. I'd be, I wouldn't be shocked if they lost. Mostly because I watched what happened week one, where they did commit the multiple turnovers. But this game, I was like, I would be surprised if they lost because I don't think it's going to happen. And glad I went, glad I was right. I did think the Falcons would keep it a little bit closer. I thought the run game might work a tiny bit better than it did. Oh my goodness, do they hammer it though? I mean, they were down fourteen nothing, like minutes into the first quarter, and Mariota ends up with like thirteen pass attempts. I know it was under fifteen. And I just thought, whew, that is uh, not a ringing endorsement of the quarterback that you have brought in. Uh, <laughs> if they if they weren't three and three, I would be thinking like, might be time to look at that rookie. You know, <laughs> if you trust this quarterback so little, but they do like to use him in the run game too. So I do get some of the added value. But if you're Atlanta, and again, this is not an Atlanta Falcons podcast, I have questions because at some point you're going to want to see what you have in Desmond Ritter because I feel like this quarterback class in the draft is pretty legit early on. Not to say that they're going to pick early on in the top 10 or anything like that, but I'd kind of want to see what you have from Desmond Ritter because watching that game, the whole entire game, I never felt like they thought we can really win with this quarterback. He can run the ball. He can rush. We can uh, see what we can do on the ground, but I don't really feel confident in the air. And I just felt like as soon as Cincinnati went up, I'm like, this game is over because there's no way that he's going to beat you in the air at all. Because I like, I like the Bengals corners. I like Cheeto. Except, except uh, right before, right before after that was the only time I think I got mildly, just a slight bit nervous was when they were up 21 and then within 30 seconds, they were up 11. 
And I was like, that is a disaster of a half. And the Falcons get the ball after halftime. I was like, all right, they could have just let it land right back in this game. But then they actually step up, they get the stop, they get all that. But oh my goodness, that was the moment. Um, and I guess we could talk about now. Eli Apple hasn't really been that good the past couple of weeks. And I feel like we need to talk about this a little bit because it just hasn't like, I see people still posting like the receiving yards given up and all this other stuff. Andy Dalton missed him uh, getting smoked by some no name wide receiver because all the Saints wide receivers were no names in that game. Cause they were down Thomas Landry and Olave. So some no name receiver smoked him could have been a touchdown should have been a 30 yard gain. And it goes to the outside, whatever. And then, uh, the week before there was the uh it was kind of like that trick ish play on fourth and one that Lamar just completely missed the guy over Apple. And then this week it finally connects. Uh, he got beat twice deep in the past two weeks. And then this week he gets beat deep again and it connects. And these are just like, this is, you can't be doing this every week, man. Like this is, that's the disaster. And I know that the stats don't matter or anything for that because, you know, he's still allowed whatever yards, that's why yards allowed sometimes isn't the best stat. I've been nervous about Eli Apple's play the past couple of weeks, and then it finally happened. And Demir Bird, I didn't know he played for the Falcons or that he's still in the league, still fast. <laughs> uh, so he scores a big touchdown. It looked like three buzz to me, which means that Bates isn't helping him over the top, and Bell is coming over to uh, the middle of the field from the opposite side. So there's a ton of room. Eli Apple has to know that. He looks like he's open. And Demir Bird gets inside of him and he just never runs. He doesn't, he takes too long to run with him. When you're flat foot and the guy's got a full speed start, you have to get on it quick. And especially with like 30 seconds left in the, in the half, you have to get on that because who cares if he beats you for 15 yards? Like I, I don't care. Don't get beat deep. And then you got beat deep. Uh, so he could have just been overestimating his own skill, like his own speed, not his skill, but his own speed. He could have thought, Oh, maybe Bell's going to help me more or something wasn't happening. Uh, or maybe he just thought, I don't know. I, I underestimated the wide receiver speed, something along those lines, or maybe he just zoned out and he was like, Oh, I hope they throw this ball underneath so I can get a pick. But yeah, I just, that was a very frustrating play. And I don't, I, I know the coaches are going to have their coach speak. I don't think we saw Cam Taylor Britt so much in the second half because it was some planned rotation. No. And that's the thing I want to get to that, not to make this an Eli Apple segment, but we're going to right now. And I'm more of an Eli Apple guy than I feel like a lot of fans. I, I think 100 like I've been, uh, been teetering, though, the past couple of weeks when I keep seeing the uh, deep ball that almost gets completed that can change the game. And it happened here, although it didn't it didn't matter. Counted, didn't matter. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Because I think if someone were to ask me, because I knew obviously Cam Taylor Britt was out for the first four games. And then when he was activated, I was like, oh, Cam Taylor Britt. I was excited about the pick. If we go all the way to draft nights, I was excited about it. I'm like, oh, obviously hearing every draft expert talk about this guy, they move up in the draft because they like this guy. And this guy's going to be the future when you think about the secondary. And I thought when he was injured and I really didn't really see anything impressive from him during training camp, but I was like, they're going to ease their way back in with him. And then hearing Lou talk about Dax Hill, um, you know, not rushing him in there. You don't want to do that. Who are you going to take off the field? I never really felt like when, he was ready when Cam Taylor Britt was ready that they were going to put him in the game because I didn't really see anything from training camp. So when Zach Taylor on Cam Taylor Britt, he said this after the game, we wanted to work Cam in there. We wouldn't call it benching Eli Apple, said it was the plan pregame. That's that's yeah. such a coach speak. We wouldn't call it benching. <laughs> call it benching. Uh Oh man, I have to go back and look. I have to go back and look and see what snaps he played. If it's a rotation, to me, yeah. that means that he came in in the first half at times and they were just rotating drives. I think he might have. But then in the second half, I don't remember much Eli Apple. And yeah. I remember seeing 29 a lot. So I want to see if he rotated in at all in the second half. Maybe the plan was a rotation early and then Eli had the uh, touchdown given up. And then they're like, let's go a little Thank more. Kid. Um, but yeah, just to talk about Cam Taylor Britt for a second. I didn't catch all of him because, you know, broadcast film on TV, you see those corners for like three seconds and then they're downfield. But what you do get to see is them play run defense and he is still taking it to what I loved about him in the draft. I, I we didn't have the podcast then, but um, what I loved about him in the draft was he loved to just beat up and bully these wide receivers when they tried to block him. And he's still doing it in the NFL. I love that. And you know, it, 
I think the fans thought I was trolling them when I said this, but he reminds me of Trey Waynes, but like Minnesota Trey Waynes before the injury and all that. So I think they, I almost thought like, yeah, they kind of got their Trey Waynes finally, which I think they've been looking for. He's a little bit tight. He doesn't, you know, flip his hips super well. And I think um, sometimes he loses his balance. Those are kind of Trey Wayne's things to me. And then he's really physical. He's fast. He likes to attack the ball. He does all this other stuff well. So I, I think he was a good pick. I think we saw good play from him. I don't remember too much that went wrong, although it this game plays into his hands because of running the ball so much. And he loves to defend the run. They used to, most often, when a team goes two wide receivers to one side and a tight end on the other, the team, they have to make the decision. Do you send your wide receivers to the – the corners with wide receivers or do you leave one over on the tight end and uh nebraska would love to leave cam taylor over that tight end and let him just beat up the tight end <laughs> just like you know put your hands on him throw him to the ground and make the tackle he was he was awesome that was one of my favorite things to watch and i can't wait to look at the film to get see uh how many times did cam taylor Britt, uh knock down a wide receiver as they were trying to block him yeah, and I think that's one thing about this defense. And honestly, Zach Taylor and his coaching staff, they're not afraid to be like, you aren't doing what we want to see, so we're going to replace you for this time being. Not to say it's a mention, like Zach Taylor said, and maybe it wasn't. I know you're going to go back and watch the tape, and we'll get more in-depth to what that really looked like on Tuesday and Thursday's podcast. But at the same time, I mean, one of my favorite guys, Lewis Riddick, he's over on ESPN. Obviously, everybody's familiar with him. He had told me the night they drafted him, this guy's going to be really a game changer for the Bengals defense and I had to shoot him a little tweet like hey look Cam got his reps and he's like oh the guy's athletic you know obviously not all eyes are on the benching or anything like that so to be determined on what that looks like on the outlook but when you have that when you have a guy you can replace and I know he's a rookie and maybe this is more in the future when you think of Cam Taylor Britt and Dax Hill in the secondary what that's going to look like maybe that's more of a 2023 situation but hey if the guy can go in there and that makes me nervous to have someone in there that's a rookie that was dealing with injuries early on. And you're like, all right, let's get this guy reps. Let's put him out there and see what he looks like. And they weren't afraid to do that. Yeah, that um, they weren't afraid of that. He showed that he could play pretty well, at least in a spurt. Um, I, I think they'll still go with Eli Apple next week. 100%. I, th I think, I think that's, to me, that is almost what he means by I wouldn't call it a benching because it's almost like they sat him this half and it shows he's on kind of that thin ice, but he's still not benched because he's starting again next week, provided there's no injuries or anything. Um, so that's that's kind of my feel for it is they watch Cam Taylor Britt. They're kind of like, Ooh, this guy can play. He's kind of uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, like maybe we could make that switch, but we don't want to do that right now. Um, the secondary has such great communication and all that and. Although I do also, on the other side, I think Eli Apple is physical enough. But I do think of like, oh, I kind of do want to see Kim Taylor against that Browns mm -hmm. run game, you know, because <laughs> like, that's what he does his best. I think that's what he uh, would do his best. But I just think they do like Eli Apple a lot, so he'll still get the start next week. Um, I, I mean, you could see Kim Taylor Britt, but if you're asking me right now who who's out there, I feel like 80% chance it's Eli Apple starting week uh, week eight i believe we're yeah i know it's insane to think it's week eight and 100 agree with you it's going to be eli apple and i would be very surprised if there was a change early on when it comes to a start against the Cleveland Browns. well more next on it's always game day in cincinnati with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata.
We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I'll say this. It's so much better to do a podcast after a win. It's crazy to think they're 4-3, their first winning record of the season. A huge game a week from tomorrow, Monday Night Football. We'll get to all of those previews as the week goes on. But a little bounce back on what we've been able to see. We talked a little bit about Eli Applecam, Taylor Britt, Joe Burrow, and this offense. Let's talk about the wide receiver realm because... We see Jamar in Louisiana, the homecoming. Then Jamar finds the end zone twice. We feel like that was a T. Higgins touchdown. Then you get the ball to Tyler Boyd. Hayden Hurst at times. And it's just so much fun to watch. Again, like I mentioned early on in the podcast, when all these guys are healthy, this is a very scary offense in the AFC. And I would say, and this sounds like such a homer thing I'm going to say on this podcast, but you know what? I can because we have Cincinnati in this podcast and I'm going to do it. I, I I can't find another one, even when we talk about the Bills and the Chiefs, of an offense I would be more afraid of if everybody's healthy when I look at all these guys right now in the Cincinnati offense. I don't know. I, I feel it's like when they, when they play, it's similar level. It's a similar level of you should be nervous about this. Uh, yeah, the, to talk about the wide receivers, what a game for Tyler Boyd. I mean, at least when the game mattered in the first half, he had over 100 yards. I think Chase might have been near that as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I was thinking in the first half did he get okay. 100. I don't think he did, but anyway, uh, Tyler Boyd did. I knew in the first quarter he had 100 yards because I was like, oh my goodness, this is a Tyler yeah. Boyd game. And he was making some incredible catches. Um, the, the deep ball felt more like the defense just kind of, I don't know, <laughs> kind of pooped the bed on that one. Uh, so the defender just falls down trying to cover two guys at once. And uh, Like the, the defense, uh, they kind of like had that right there. They, they kind of <laughs> they had a little mental fart on that play. So safety falls down. Nobody runs with Boyd. Easy touchdown. Um, really still a good throw from Burrow because I felt the, the pocket was a little bit collapsed on him. So he threw it without being able to fully step into it. And I know there's a complaint about his arm strength, <laughs> but he was able to still get that ball 50 yards downfield. So that was a good throw more than it was a good catch to me, although nice job to still get in the end zone. He made a really nice catch on that corner route and almost got in. He was almost – 100 yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter because of that one. And then his best catch was the one-hander over the middle. Just what a catch. And then I think he takes a hit low and he still holds on. He spikes the ball after. And I was like, you deserve that. Yeah, that's all you. So what a game for Tyler Boyd. Salute. And then uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention about this was uh, I feel like they fed into the Hayden Hurst thing a little bit. They you know? did. Like, we, I think they, about it. we were talking about that. That's what I was thinking of it is that I think they fed into, I, I noticed it twice. One was a screen to him on the outside that he, I think picked up like seven yards. And then the other one, he throws, Burrow throws this ball high. I guess this is his one miss. He threw the ball high to Hurst and he didn't come down with it. It was like double coverage. He's getting hit as he's trying to make the catch. I'm like, I think Burrow's feeding into it a little bit too much here. <laughs> Yeah, what's funny is, and I could be wrong, and I apologize, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but I want to remember, because one of my favorite things after a win is watching the locker room game balls, because Zach Taylor has a lot of game balls that he gives out. I mean, this it's at is at least like, like three to four every time. Yeah. But I, this is why, and again, I'll get to Hayden Hurst in just a moment, this is why I know people how people feel about Zach Taylor, but one of the reasons why I like this guy is because he'll come in and just start reading stats off his head before he even looks at his paper. And I'm like, Zach, how did you know that that was eight minutes and three seconds? Like, you have a lot going on. You're the head coach. You're calling plays out there. But he's like, and then this play was eight minutes and, and uh, three seconds as we drove down the field. And I'm like, dude, you're not, like, this is why I like you. And then he'll get into the, like, we have a lot of game balls to give out. And one of his game balls was to Hayden Hurst. And the reason, I mean, obviously it was going to Hayden Hurst. They're playing the Falcons, whatever. And I want to say, and again, I hate the fact that I don't have this pulled up right now. I could just click on my computer and find it out. He had under 60 yards and he was like, oh, Hayden Hurst, you know, okay, okay. Like, and then they threw it to him and I was like, that was totally a revenge game ball. Maybe they listened to the podcast. Maybe this was a revenge podcast. Six receptions for 48 yards so under 60 yards he had 48 yards and they're like game ball Hayden Hurst I look and they fed into it I benefited because uh no insider trading I don't know anything that's actually happening it was just putting my theory out there this is gonna be a Hayden Hurst game because I think he's you know he wants to prove something yeah they play him in my uh in my daily fantasy and I won six dollars today so great for you yeah it it was it was a good Hayden Hurst thank you 
I will say mostly it was probably playing Joe Burrow and scoring 50, but the, yeah. the 10 from Hurst really does help. I will say this again, you know, when you add a game, things just really don't impact the same as when you're watching it at home to be like, man, this guy's having an unbelievable game. And that's what, what Joe Burrow was today. I had to look at the stats after I left the game to be like, dang, Joe Burrow really did have a day because obviously some oh, of this in the it, first it, half. It took me leaving the game to be like, oh, okay. <laughs> Joe Burrow had himself a day. 481 yards, three touchdowns, and to think four like, really because he ran one. You're right, you're right, you're right. No, but I'm to, just adding to it. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Give him, give him, give him those stats. But to honestly go back to what we saw and like 80% completion, too, somewhere around there. Unbelievable, unbelievable. 34 42. All right, I'll stop now. No picks. Okay, now I'm done. But you go back to week one. I don't even want to think of the Baltimore Ravens pick. I think that's a silly pick. I think that was something that obviously Joe would. I hate saying this because every quarterback would like every interception they've ever thrown back. But take away that one. Go back to week one. What do you look like against the Pittsburgh Steelers? And no other team has faced the Pittsburgh Steelers with T.J. Watt and how that defense looked. Credit to the defense against Pittsburgh Steelers week one. But you go into that game and see what Joe Burrow has been able to do every single week and what he has faced those weeks leading up to where we're at now. It's unbelievable. Week seven, you look at where he is and think, hey, this guy's the it, it's exactly what we saw from the Kansas City Chiefs last year. Everybody wanted to count them out at two and three and said, oh, everybody in the league is figuring they're even, out. Yeah, they're even joking about the cover two thing. Yeah, everybody figured thing. out Patrick Mahomes. This offense is it's done. They're not going to be the team in the AFC. And look, they did lose to the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC championship game. They did lose to Cincinnati at home and they broke their little win streak. But you see what that was last year, and you heard the same comments. I actually heard from Jeff Schwartz, who is a Kansas City Chiefs, former Kansas City Chiefs guy. He had told me early on in the season, he goes, look, there's nothing to be to be afraid of with Cincinnati. They're going to be fine. He said, I remember when the Chiefs started 2-3 and three last year, and everybody felt the same exact way about this Chiefs team. He's like, Joe's still going to be Joe, and this offense is still going to be scary in the AFC and you still have an overall team, there's nothing to be worried about. That was after week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers, after they gave the ball away five times on the offense, and it didn't look – it looked pretty terrifying, honestly. That was one of my biggest worries over the first couple weeks was like, oh, this offense is not very good right now, and hopefully Joe Burrow can bounce back. And it is exact same storyline. Start two and three, you win three and three, you go four and three. Obviously, these next two games are absolutely huge, and we'll preview those over the next couple of weeks when you think of the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football. Look, Cleveland has had their number over the last couple of years with Joe Burrow at quarterback, and Baker Mayfield is no longer there, and he played his face off during those matchups. But still, it's Monday night. It's prime time. It's on the road. It's against Cleveland. They've won two games this season. Everybody knows that's not going to be easy. AFC North divisional games are just – Absolutely crazy. They're just insane. It doesn't matter what someone's record is. And you look at that and you have to legit take these next two weeks one game at a time. You look what Carolina was able to do against the Bucks today, and it's just insane. I, 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 You can't sleep on anyone right now in the NFL. So, obviously, these next two games going into the buy are huge. Joe Burrow talked about it earlier in the week, and he said, I remember what happened last year. We lost to the Jets. We lost badly to Cleveland going into the bye week. So, obviously, these next two weeks are huge for this team, but it just brings a little like a similar situation to what we saw with the Kansas City Chiefs last year. So I feel personally when I watch what Joe Burrow has been able to do the last couple weeks is this team is just getting started. Yeah, no, I was I, I believe I said on here at least that I felt this was a little bit similar to the Chiefs one. And that hit me when everybody kept talking about the cover two, because I remember the narrative last year about the Chiefs not figuring out cover two. And it's just like it's a hard defense to throw on. So like it happens. And then you get to running offenses that are more designed to beat that. And you get to the run game starts working a lot better. And it worked a lot better for the Chiefs at times. Um, so you get them out of that. So that, that's that's what I think. It's just like it, it was pretty similar that they got more of this coverage than they thought they would. They thought maybe they get more quarters. And that's a different coverage than cover two, even though they're both too high. So they knew they were going to get too high, but they probably thought they were going to get a bit more quarters than they were cover two. So they start getting all this cover two. And they're like, okay, we got to rethink our game plan a little bit and maybe get a little more run game going. And then the run game's still not working all that issues and 
didn't matter. They figured it out. <laughs> and just like the Chiefs, the Chiefs figured it out. And I know that you probably have a little bit more faith in the Chiefs figured it out because Andy Reid's the coach and he's been around since forever. I mean, but the at least early 2000, I can't remember exactly when Philly hired him, but, you know, he's been around for at least 20 plus years as a head coach. And before that, he was still an offensive coordinator in the league. So there's a, I can see the reason he's always had such a good offense. So, yeah, you can see Andy Reid, he'll figure it out. So can Zach Taylor figure it out? To me, it almost doesn't matter as much. It's like, well, Joe Burrow is going to be Joe Burrow eventually. It's not like they'll always be able to do this to him. And we were always saying he was missing those throws a little bit. Now when those start hitting, it starts working. So, okay, I just want to do a real quick end one of um, all right. what was your favorite defensive play of the game? Oh, my gosh. My I have two in my mind. I, I want to do something positive on defense because I feel like most of the time we talk about this defense, it was, oh, goodness, Eli Apple finally did give up the touchdown. Oh, I, this is kind of cheating, but it's not my favorite defensive play. It's just kind of overall. It's the shutout in the fourth quarter. Okay. I mean, this is – you, you. this is a cop-out. This is a very <laughs> softball answer, and I'm cheating kind of. But I want to say this because I wanted to tie this in. If you were to – you watched the Zach Taylor game ball social media um, clip. It's one of my favorites. I don't know why I love it because everyone's so excited. They look like little kids after a win. The chance of Lou in the locker room has me like – Look, I always feel this way. I know you said when at halftime they go down and kick the field goal and you're like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a little uh, this is a little too close for comfort. I just had faith because of what we've seen over the last year and a half on almost two years that Lou makes those halftime adjustments and maybe it's a little PTSD of what Marvin Lewis would not do. Everyone would think, oh, they're going to go. What do they even do at halftime? Do they even talk to the players? I always felt like those were the conversations Marvin Lewis would take his timeouts into the locker room and just be like, oh, we're not going to use these. Obviously we can't. And nothing ever changed and I never had faith in it. But with Lou, I was like, they're going to be fine. They're going to have the halftime adjustments. Yeah, they're without Logan. Yeah, they're without DJ Reader, dealing with a few injuries. But I feel pretty confident. So, yeah, it's a cop-out. I say when they shut them out in the fourth quarter. I'm All going right. that. Tell me. Uh, go then, I'll, then, I'll get, then I'll give my two, since, since uh, I guess there's two on the table. I gave an easy answer. Yeah, so my first fa- my, my favorite, I think, would be the Joseph Osai spin move on Jake okay. Matthews, who's a good left tackle. He goes inside. And he spins outside, and Jake Matthews falls down. And anytime that that offensive lineman is picking himself off off the ground at the same time the quarterback is, not a good situation. What a sick move! I think that's his first career sack. It I, might I, be. I don't think he has one before this. I know he's gotten some hits. You know? He's gotten back there, but I don't think he's got any sacks. So his first career sack is this sick inside-out spin move. And spinning outside is harder than spinning inside because when you spin inside, it's so much of like I'm selling upfield like I'm rushing, and then you just spin back inside. Spinning outside, you have to sell the inside stuff. So he sells inside, spins outside, knocks Jake Matthews to the ground, and brings Merida down. What a sick first sack. I'm calling this first sack. Uh, people, you could dunk on me at I'll Bengals. I'll find it right now as you're talking. Okay. Well, I'm going to his first career sack, but yeah, that what a sick move to get that. And I guess a good left tackle. He didn't he didn't do it against uh, like a backup level guy or whatever the Jets were throwing out there when they played them. So shout out Joseph Osai. My second favorite was the Chidobe Wuzier hit on Kyle Pitts. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was like a WWE meet midair collision, except it was real. Oh uh, man. Kyle Pitts jumps up to try to catch the ball and get it over the uh, goal line. Looks like on, on TV. I don't even remember if you see Cheeto until like he start. he just flies down and hits him. He like comes out of nowhere. Because I was like, ah, shoot, they gave up that touchdown. So Kyle Pitts is in the air and just speared by Chidobe Wuzia. What a tackle to prevent that touchdown. I know the Falcons scored after. I don't care. What a play in that moment to stop the touchdown. I mean, put his body on the line, made a huge hit. I mean, this is what the Bengals cornerback room, they want it to be, are these physical guys like him, like Mike Hilton, like Cam Taylor Britton, even Eli Apple. All these guys are physical and they want to hit. So shout out to those two plays because they were two of my favorite defensive plays on the year. All right, I will say I looked it up. There's only a a number one next to Joseph Asai. So it says one sack. And I want to say that's very updated that Joseph Asai has one sack, which is amazing. It came at a great time. Cheeto is the top five, top five cornerback. 
Oh, it's time man. to talk about that. It's time to talk about it. Uh, the, off vibes. Okay. Yes. I'll, okay. I'll, just, I'll just go off vibes. Sure. Uh, the, my thought is just like, yeah, I just looked it up. He had zero sacks before today. So congratulations, Joseph. Congratulations. First sack. It was absolutely disgusting. Um, Cheeto. Yeah, sure. We'll just say top five. I don't okay. know. Like in my mind, I just keep thinking it's like, I, I want to count it out. I want to do this. But also there is also the, there's the real top five and then there's the vibe of a top five. And he's got the it. vibe of a top five. Vibes corner, only. You know, like how many top five corners are there? I don't know, seven. I could probably name five guys that deserve it uh, just as much as Cheeto, but I don't care. <laughs> All right, after wins, we are only going to do vibes. We're going to be like, <laughs> Joe top Burrow, five vibes. Joe Burrow, top five. And honestly, that's not even a vibe. That's real life. So, yeah, know. Joe Burrow, top three vibes today. Top, top three, three vibes. vibes. Top, top three vibes. vibes. No, all top right. We're going to end this podcast because we are told to end it right now. <laughs> this is what I love about winning. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm going to pull back the curtain to people who are listening. We had zero topics going in. We legit just jumped in and we're like, let's talk about this. We just like talked about everything without topics. So I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. There's plenty to talk about. Obviously, we love talking about a win. Um, we will have more later on Tuesday and Thursday. A little preview prediction. Monday Night Football, our least favorite of the season when it comes to prime time, but we'll get to all that later in the week. But what do you have on all Bengals this week? Check out the takeaways from Victory Monday. I'm sure I'll be writing about, haven't wrote anything. I'm not one of those writers that pre-writes. Uh, I haven't wrote anything, uh, but I'm sure there'll be a ton about Joe Burrow's game, about the wide receivers, Tyler Boyd, and uh, a whole bunch of, you know, defense too. So a whole bunch of fun takeaways i have no idea how many i never know how many i'm gonna do <laughs> but you know probably like five somewhere five plus or minus two uh i'll say plus two minus one somewhere in that range so seven to four takeaways <laughs> with vibes only good vibes, vibes, only. Only. vibes only feels like a five feels like a five it is a good say. five we got some sunday night football tonight a little miami dolphins little pittsburgh steelers and afc action so we'll be watching that but uh Good vibes only, big AFC North matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns, the first time they see each other this season. We'll have more later in the week, but thank you as always for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.